Welcome to Fertility Friendly Food. I'm your host, Stephanie Velarkis, accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist and director of The Dietologist, an Australian-based practice focused on optimizing fertility through nutrition. This podcast will bring you snack-sized episodes for you to learn, grow, and be inspired by the latest research, facts, and practical lifestyle tips about eating well for optimal fertility, helping you cut through the confusion and myths to take back some of the control on your fertility journey, one bite at a time. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast. My name is Stephanie Velarkis and I am an accredited practicing dietitian and founder of The Dietologist, where we are dedicated to excellence in nutrition for fertility, reproductive health and pregnancy. Now, before I get any further into this episode, it does come with an important trigger warning, which is in this episode, I am going to be centering mostly on the topic of weight, including the mention of BMI and other weight-centric terminology, as well as the mention of eating disorders. So this may be a topic you wish not to hear about at this time and on your health journey. So flick on over to another episode if that is you. But if you're still listening and you are interested in learning more about weight and fertility, today's episode is for you. It's a very candid look at weight and fertility and having a balanced conversation about weight or rather body fat and its impacts on fertility and conception. You may have already noticed I made a clarification, which is that the word weight is really quite inaccurate in this conversation. What is actually more pertinent in this conversation is actually body fat, and the amount that a certain individual has can have an impact on reproductive health and more. More on that in a second, though. What is important to know is that the way that we talk about body weight and body fat in research and studies is generally speaking not all that applicable to a given individual. For example, the use of BMI or body mass index, which is a calculation of the ratio of weight to height, is then broken down into categories and each of those categories is given a label. This seems to be helpful when we're talking about large populations of thousands of thousands of people worth of data to draw correlations about a certain outcome, but on an individual level may be completely useless. So take the example of a really high-performing athlete, lots of muscle mass. Their BMI might put them in the quote-unquote overweight category, but in fact their body fat levels are quite low and they have just a larger body mass due to their muscle mass, for example. And on the flip side, what about people that, based on their ratio of body weight to height, might sit in the quote-unquote normal range, but their body fat levels are much higher and that's having an impact on their health and reproductive outcomes. So it is important to take a really big grain of salt when thinking about how this information may or may not apply to you. If you have any concerns at all about the impact of your weight status on your fertility, please speak to your doctor, your fertility specialist, 
and myself or the dietologist team for support. We are here for you without judgment and with oodles of compassion to help you have a productive and understanding conversation about your concerns. I'm going to give you a bit of an episode overview as this is a really important topic that we get lots of questions about at the dietologist. So I wanted to really break it down. So in this episode, I'll be talking about what is known about weight and fertility for females and males. Will weight loss improve my fertility outcomes? When is it not the right time to consider weight management goals when trying to conceive? Weight, fertility treatments and BMI cutoffs and the non-diet approach to fertility. So what do we know about weight and fertility for females to kick us off? So some basic physiology here. Fat cells actually help make a little bit of estrogen in the body. So there is a direct link between fat and reproductive hormones, and that can then impact your cycle and thus potentially your fertility. So that's the kind of connection we're talking about here when it comes to the relationship between body fat and conception. So first, let's talk about having insufficient body fat levels, irrespective of overall body weight status, i.e. whether you're quote unquote underweight or not by the BMI cutoff standards. Having insufficient body fat levels can impact the production of sex hormones like estrogen and progesterone and can impact ovulation. And in some cases, ovulation can become irregular or switch off completely. So you've got an absence of a menstrual cycle. This may be complicated by a challenging relationship with food, for example, in the situations of disordered eating or in a situation of a clinically diagnosed eating disorder. Restoration of body fat is important to reinstate regular cycles and more importantly, regular ovulation for fertility and conception, as well as being able to think ahead and gain body fat during pregnancy to support potential breastfeeding postpartum. Now, on the flip, having higher levels of body fat can contribute to an increase in inflammatory markers and proteins in the fluid surrounding the eggs in the ovaries. This was noted in a study comparing those undergoing fertility treatments like IVF amongst those with BMIs over 25 compared to those with BMIs in the range of 18.5 to 25. In addition, the eggs from these women living in larger bodies were found to have more disorganized DNA. In terms of cycle outcomes, though, there seems to be a little bit of a mixed bag when it comes to the research. Some studies showing there's no significant impact of BMI and IVF outcomes, whilst others note poorer egg counts, more cycle cancellations, and lower pregnancy rates with those females with BMIs over 30. Now, one statistic from an article summarized the information about BMI and fertility really well, which was per one point increase in BMI over and above 29 was correlated with a 4% lower pregnancy rate. Also, interestingly, there seems to be some correlation between BMI over 25 and an increased risk of neural tube defects and BMI over 30 and an increased risk of miscarriage. Now, I want to really reiterate that just because your weight status sits in a particular category does not necessarily mean this will happen or 
it has anything to do with the fact about your BMI. It could be completely something different and most of the time it is. But that is what the evidence has to say today. And so I just wanted to present that really factually and candidly, but totally appreciate that this kind of data is data in a scientific article, but as a human receiving that information, it can be a lot to take in. So I do totally appreciate that. Now, I want to turn the conversation to males. What's the relationship between weight status and fertility when it comes to males? So males with higher BMIs had worse sperm motility or movement. One study, which was a case series, showed that men who lost abdominal fat, their sperm quality improved, including improvements in DNA sperm fragmentation, which is the integrity of the DNA, which saw an improvement, which is really exciting. Another study, which followed 305 male-female couples, showed paternal BMI was not linked with embryo formation, but rather associated with decreased blastocyst development, decreased pregnancy rates, and decreased live birth outcomes. Some mice and rat studies have also shown that high-fat diets in male rats had long-term effects on sperm production and impacted embryo development and implantation in mice. Similar to females, having a low BMI or too little body fat, particularly below about 10% or even 6% amongst males, is a risk factor for poor semen quality, including total sperm count and semen volume. Interestingly, other research has shown that men over 40 that had a one-point increase in BMI was associated with a 2% decrease in testosterone. In some cases, low testosterone may negatively impact on sperm counts, but more importantly can also impact sex drive, which then impacts intercourse frequency and thus conception. Another thing to consider is low body fat levels can also lead to low testosterone as well. So that is another factor. So we're talking in research terms about a J-shaped curve, um, which is usually a a J tilted on its um, axis. Almost think of like the Nike swoosh, for example. And so we're seeing an uptick in negative male and fertility outcomes on the left and right sides of a range that sits in the middle where risks are reduced. And so most of the research that I've come across to date seems to all point back to this J-shaped curve uh, when it comes to talking about weight and male and female conception. Now, You may be having a million and one little alarm bells in your brain right now after hearing all these facts, and you may be mid-Google of weight loss for fertility or weight gain diet right now, but please stop. (laughs) I want to give these facts and figures a lot more context now. And undoubtedly, as you can see, there is sufficient evidence to state that weight, specifically body fat, impacts both female and male reproductive health and thus fertility. But is weight management always the answer? So here are a few tidbits. If your body fat status is too low and your cycle and ovulation has been impacted, Working towards healthy and supported weight gain with a healthcare provider is key. Irrespective of whether you are seeking fertility treatment advice or not, 
A regular menstrual cycle will also help protect many other aspects of your health, including your bones. So it's important, however you're going to conceive, it's important to do this process anyway. You can learn more about this topic in the episode with Sarah Liz King on hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is earlier in this season. So have a scroll back. The next tidbit is if your body fat status is high and you have the resources and most importantly desire to work on body fat reduction with a healthcare professional team that aligns with you, then I would suggest allowing at minimum six to 12 months prior to your intention to conceive where practical for a really sustainable and gradual weight loss approach without compromising nutritional adequacy for conception. If weight loss is not something you have the desire to pursue, that's totally okay. And if you'd like to pursue a non-diet approach, that is okay. Just because you're living in a bigger body does not mean you won't conceive and have a healthy, happy baby. It does indeed happen all the time. I think when I talk to clients about this topic, many feel it is their personal responsibility to quote unquote, take control of their weight. The truth of the matter is, whilst our body fat levels are influenced by diet and exercise, these are not the only two things that can impact us. Our genetics, environment, sleep schedules, education, and where we live, our food supply, our physiology, medical history, medications, and so much more can all impact us. We have a lot less control of it than what people might tell us. But if the desire is there and you've got realistic timeframes and goals and the right supports, weight loss can be achieved for some just 5 to 10% of their body weight. That's right. You don't need to be at a BMI of 25. You can still improve your reproductive outcomes and fertility with a 5 to 10% reduction of body weight. What is really important is that if you do any kind of carbohydrate restriction, whether that be a low-carb diet, a ketogenic diet, a very low-energy diet like meal replacement shakes, you need to reincorporate carbs at minimum six weeks prior to actively trying to conceive or pursuing fertility treatments to ensure there are adequate carbohydrates, you're out of any kind of ketosis, and particularly whole grains to help support implantation and your transition into a potential pregnancy too. So please keep this top of mind. I don't personally use any of those aforementioned strategies, but I just wanted to note that for you in case that is relevant to your unique situation. The question that I often pose to my clients who are in the thick of IVF treatments and wanting to lose weight is, should I do it now or not? And the answer is obviously going to be completely individual, but the question is, what is the physical and mental cost of pursuing weight loss right now in the midst of it all? We may be compromising nutrients and foods that are beneficial for fertility and conception in a bid to lose weight. Or we may be creating additional psychological stress at an already challenging time. Or you may feel so tired and hormonal thanks to all the medications that the thought of going for a workout is just not an option. This may not be the right time to be pursuing weight loss. We also don't actively pursue weight loss whilst pregnant for most people. 
If you have questions or concerns about what is right for you and your unique situation and you want to talk through your options as part of your preconception care and journey, please have a chat with us inside one of our fertility nutrition intensive consults or if you're an existing client in your next session. There's more information about the fertility nutrition intensives in the show notes below. Now, I wanted to touch on a topic around BMI cutoffs and fertility treatment access. I see many people reaching out for advice wanting to drop weight ASAP because they need to meet a certain BMI cutoff by a certain date so that they can access fertility support services such as IVF, amongst other things. And whilst I totally appreciate the data and also potentially some of the more practical aspects of medicine, such as anesthetic risks, etc., there is just something that just doesn't quite sit right with me in terms of barring people with bigger bodies from accessing medical care for a medical condition like infertility or subfertility to be able to grow their family. I think that this whole cutoff situation creates this very rushed approach often driving people to consider fad diets, cleanses, juices, poorer relationships with food, exercise, and body image, and oftentimes rebound weight gain, as well as generally feeling stressed, pressured, and that the burden is all on the female to hit their target weight so things can get going. It's a delicate balance between responsible and evidence-based care and compassion and equitable access to services. And I'm not quite sure we are 100% there yet with these types of approaches. Now, I'm not saying this is a universal approach, but it certainly exists. Now, if you walk into an appointment and are prescribed weight loss from a fertility perspective, if you're not given any referrals to who could be able to help, asking questions around your goals and desires or ensuring there are no other complicating factors um, such as you have a history of an eating disorder or other medical factors that could be addressed like optimizing sperm health, making sure your tubes are patent, uh, if there's any endometriosis or thyroid concerns that could be inhibiting conception. I think all these things need to be factored in uh, for every person. Uh, not just people within a certain BMI range. Obviously, I'm not a doctor and I don't think anyone is perfect, including myself, but I think this is one area where we could all really sit down and review and treat on a case-by-case basis to avoid unnecessary distress and harmful dieting behaviours. So finally, what about the non-diet approach to fertility? That is, we aren't aiming for weight loss. In fact, we aren't really thinking about that at all when thinking about our nutrition and lifestyle strategies with this approach. Instead, we are implementing evidence-based strategies to support ideal reproductive function and health for females and males, and we aren't tracking or shooting for a specific weight goal. For some people, this is the best way forward for both their physical and mental well-being, and their desire is to build a healthy preconception diet and lifestyle using the tools a fertility dietitian and nutritionist can offer them without constantly angling towards a calorie deficit, asking about their weight status, tracking calories, or weight checking. And just as an aside, whilst we work across all of the above areas and use various approaches with all of our clients, 
depending on their unique situation. I must say, this last approach is by far my favorite. We get to focus on things like cycles, changing and improving mental health, sleep patterns, movement routines, energy levels, lab work, and so, so much more. And who doesn't want to enter into parenthood feeling their most energized, happiest, and calm selves rather than rushed, stressed, and hungry, right? Now, this won't be for everyone either, and that's okay too. There's nothing wrong with wanting to lose some weight, but understanding your why, understanding that Rome was not in fact built in a day, and how to build in healthy habits along the way will help you in both the short and long term. Wowza, that was a lot to cover in this episode. I really researched my rear end off to get all these facts and figures and present this to you in what I hope was an informative and hopefully non-judgmental way um, so you could get some useful information about this and perhaps apply it to your own circumstance. Like I said, if you have any concerns or want to chat further, reach out and get booked in for our Fertility Nutrition Intensive. It is a two-hour Zoom call. It's an in-depth chat with the dietologist team, complete with bespoke nutrition strategies, the ultimate fertility manual e-guide, and a supplementation plan designed for your needs. The link to book one of these limited slots is in the show notes for you. We only have a few available each month because they're such a long session, so hop to it. I do hope this episode was useful for you. If it was, please subscribe or follow on your podcasting platform of choice and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to share the love with someone who may find it useful on their own journey. It all really helps to support this independent podcast. Until next episode, everyone. Bye. (laughs)